Welcome to the Daily Disciples Podcast with Tony Lee Adamson. Real and raw conversations dealing with life and spirituality. God so loved the world, but do we realize that He still does? God uses people's stories to encourage and enlighten us to continue growing, learning, and living with hope. Here, you will find the love of God speaking to you through the stories of others. Thank you for joining us today. Hello and welcome to Women in the Bible as we are now addressing Lot's wife. Lot's wife doesn't even have a name. All that we know about Lot's wife is that she gets turned into a pillar of salt. But what happened that led Lot's wife to become a pillar of salt? Firstly, let's talk about the definition of pillar of salt. It literally is a statue of salt or a statue of asphalt. And I did wonder at what point did Lot look back to notice his wife had turned into a pillar of salt because then he was looking back. So let's look at Genesis chapter 18 and we're going to talk a little bit about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. We are story writing about Lot's wife because there's not much detail about her. So Genesis 18 verse 16. Then the men... And the men are two angels and then the Lord Jesus who appeared to Abraham. Abraham and Sarah made Jesus and the two angels dinner. Our Lord Jesus said to Abraham, Sarah, your wife shall have a son. And Sarah laughed saying, I am worn out and now I'm going to have that pleasure because she was 89 years old at the time. But the Lord said, in one year, I'll be back. Now, what we do notice from Abraham was as soon as these three men came walking towards him, he immediately knew it was the Lord, which makes us think that Lot might have recognized the two angels also when the two angels approached the city gate in Sodom and Gomorrah. Here we go with verse 16. Then the men set out from there, and they looked down toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? So Abraham is going to be blessed. Abraham was just told he would have a son next year. And now God is saying, Abraham doesn't even have to bother with this Sodom and Gomorrah thing because it's going to be far removed from him and his blessing. The Lord does decide to tell Abraham to include Abraham in what the Lord has decided to come down to check out what's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. So verse 20, then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So right there we see the outcry is so great. Now who's crying out? It's not the people who are living in Sodom and Gomorrah if Sodom and Gomorrah is about to be destroyed. The people that are crying out are either the ones who have died at the hands of the people in Sodom and Gomorrah or the people who've been treated 
unjustly when they visited the town of Sodom and Gomorrah. It does remind me of the verse in Revelation that the martyrs underneath the altar of God are crying out saying, O Lord, how long until you avenge our death? The Lord says to them, in just a little while. Don't worry, it's just a little while. So here the Lord is saying that he hears us when we pray as a group. And the Lord answers our cry when we are looking for justice. That's what the parable about the woman who kept coming to the judge and pleading and pleading and pleading. And the judge said, I don't have any fear of God or man, but this woman is bothering me so much that I will just do what she says. And Jesus said that when it comes to issues of justice, issues of wrongdoing, keep crying out, crying out, crying out, because the Lord does hear those prayers and he will act. Verse 22, so the men turned from there and went down to Sodom, but Abraham stood still before the Lord. The Lord and Abraham have a conversation, and the conversation goes like this. Verse 25, far be it from you, Lord, to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? This is like a prayer, and he's saying, Lord, you would never destroy the righteous with the wicked. How can you do this? So Abraham begins by saying, if there's 50 righteous in the town of Sodom and Gomorrah, will you spare the town for 50 righteous? Lot, Abraham's nephew, separated to go down to Sodom and Gomorrah because there was quarreling after Abraham left Egypt and they acquired so many goods that Lot, his nephew, and Abraham's people, workers, families, were not getting along anymore. It was too tight of an environment for such blessing. So they had to separate. Abraham's nephew, Lot, and his family are living in Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, the prayer goes all the way down to, Oh, Lord, I pray you're not angry with me. And this is verse 32. And I will speak again, but this once. Suppose ten are found there. And he answered, for the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And probably Abraham in his mind is thinking, okay, I've got Lot. I've got Lot's wife. They said two son-in-law, so at least two daughters. And then two daughters that live at home. That could come up to ten people. So maybe for just Lot's family, God will not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So the next thing you know, the Lord walks away and we start chapter 19 of Genesis with just the two angels. And the two angels came to Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Sitting in the gate of Sodom, that is where the men of the city who really did rule the city or, or were in like government roles or business roles, they sat at the gate and they would see people come in and out and do trade and, and visit. And when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth. Now, this would tell me that Lot learned this from Abraham, because that's what Abraham did when he saw these men come to him. So this implies that Lot recognized the two out of the three. 
and he knew they were righteous men. So he immediately approached them and he said in verse 2, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. And they said, No, we will spend the night in the town square. Because the reason why these men are there, these angels are there, is to see if the town is as wicked as the outcries have been to literally destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to Lot and entered Lot's house. And Lot made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. And that term, we may know them, means we may sodomize, is the word that we get, Sodom and Gomorrah, sodomize or have sex with these men. And Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him, almost like to say, I don't want the angels to hear this. So he's shutting the door behind him. And he said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. This is a common occurrence because it's like Lot knew exactly what they meant. Lot knew exactly what the implication was and even called it wicked. Verse 8, behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. So what does that say about his daughters, right? Like, are his daughters not under the shelter of his roof too? Uh, we said last week when we studied Hagar, the prayers that the rabbis said every day was they thanked God that these rabbis were not created as a Gentile, a dog, or a woman. So obviously Lot had that mentality too. <laughs> and he was willing to give his daughters to these sex-craved men. But they said, the men at the door, stand back. And they said, this fellow came to sojourn and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. And then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out groping for the door. And then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here, sons-in-laws, daughters, or anyone you have in the city, bring them out of the place? For we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against his people has become so great before the Lord and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his son-in-laws who were to marry his daughters, Up, get out of this place for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But it seemed to his son-in-laws to be jesting. And as morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered, and you can tell he lingered because it's now the morning. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, and the Lord being merciful to him, and brought them out and set them outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop 
anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. The command was, go, run, don't look back. Lot didn't know that Abraham had already tried to intercede to save the city. Lot didn't know that all that these angels needed to see were 10 righteous people and the city wouldn't have been destroyed. Obviously, the Lord knew there wasn't 10 righteous people in the city because he knew the angels knew were here to destroy the city. And they were not intimidated or threatened by the sin. I mean, they were going to stay right in the city. It was Lot who said, no, you come into the house. And because Lot was gracious and respectful to these men, his family, his immediate family in his household did have the right to save them. It's interesting that Lot would have thrown his daughters out to these men, but the angels didn't. The angels knew that the daughters were important and that the city could have been destroyed with Lot, his wife, and his daughters in the, in the city. God didn't promise to just save Lot's family. I mean, Abraham didn't say, can you just save Lot's family? I mean, Abraham said, if there's 10, well, there was not even 10 in Lot's family. But God was still gracious and merciful to save Lot's family. In verse 23, the sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zor. And then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife, this is the first time that she's actually being described. Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. It says that Lot's wife was behind Lot. So at some point, Lot looked back and saw his wife was a pillar of salt. But the difference between the two looking back is one was looking back in probably sadness that she was leaving the city when Lot was looking back for the safety or the whereabouts of his wife. Different attitudes, different approaches. And we're actually going to talk about looking back, turning back, turning back to God, turning away from God, turning back to thank God. We're going to look and talk about our attitude towards the Lord and the decisions that we make. But before we get there, I'd like to go to Genesis chapter 6. So you're, you might already be in Genesis. And if you can go to chapter 6. We're going to look at Noah, because the other time that we see the destruction of not just a city, but the entire earth, is during the time of Noah. And in Genesis 6, verse 8, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 11, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. So murder, violence, injustice, all the things that the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were doing are worthy to be judged while we're on the earth. Many times you'll hear pastors, preachers say, the earthquake came as a result of judgment. You know, I mean, we do that. The hurricanes came as a result of judgment. Well, look at that city. Of course there's judgment. You know, because we do see that in the scriptures. Now, we're, we live in the New Testament now. So God's grace covers all of our sins too. We should be judged too by the Lord. It's just the grace of Jesus that we're protected. We do know that there will be wars and earthquakes and 
horrible things in end times because the earth is getting to the point of saying Jesus is coming back and it's crying out. In Noah's time, everywhere, the earth was filled with violence, which means even the animals were affected. Everything was affected as a result of the choices humankind were making. And God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. In this time of Noah, there were only eight that were saved. Those eight people, only one was really called righteous. So again, Noah's wife might have given Noah a very hard time about him building this ark. The Lord revealed his will to Noah. He did not, that we know of, did not reveal it to his sons or his daughter-in-laws or even his wife. But when it came time to actually get into the ark, all eight were accounted for. And I'm sure that at times Noah was probably more concerned about his family getting into the ark than the animals. I mean... All these animals are coming into the ark, and God is the one who brought the animals to the ark. But I'm sure Noah was saying, God, I hope you bring my family into this ark too, because it does become a challenge when God puts promises on our hearts how he's going to work it out through our families. But Noah did not look back, and Lot and his daughters did not look back. But there are many times in our lives that we deal with looking back. This weekend, I spent some time with one of the gals who's on this Zoom Bible study. I brought up someone who had just texted me, and our friend had married somebody that she had dated. And she said, I never should have broken up with him. And I said, do you ever, like, regret that? Like, do you ever, like, look back and regret that? And she said, no, I don't look back because I take full responsibility for my choices and at the age that I was when I made them. And she said, I have hope in Jesus moving forward. And I said, well, I can't tell you I do that all the time. I can't tell you that I don't look back or think back. So I want us to turn a minute to Luke 17 and discuss what it takes to really become a servant in the kingdom of God. And when I was praying about this message, this topic tonight, I kept saying to the Lord, I can't do Christianity without Jesus. I can't do Christianity without Christ. And what does Christ mean? Christ is the Greek word for anointed one. The word Christ in Greek is Christos. So Christ with O-S at the end. And in Greek... It means anointed one. And we are in Christ. We are Christians if we are also anointed by his Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that came through Christ with his power now comes into our hearts and now moves our hearts to do the things of God. When the verses say, I think it's in Matthew that says, broad is the way to destruction, but narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. Many of us live by that golden rule in the world. Many of us have it written on our hearts not to murder, 
that it's wrong, to love our children, that that's right, to provide for our family. We don't need to know Jesus to live the broad way, but to actually have the path of salvation as we walk out our Christianity on this earth. The only way to please the Lord is through the narrow way. And the narrow way means we are constantly surrendering our will to God's will for us. So that's a little bit tricky to understand, but if you think about it, if broad was the way that leads to destruction, there would be more people in prison than we have walking around today. In other words, living by the golden rule does not save you. Living by the golden rule of what the news says is right and wrong is not a spirit-filled life. The narrow way is being anointed by the Holy Spirit to lay down ourselves and pick up our cross and follow him daily. And that's not a popular way to live. Just like having a Messiah, a Christ, who died on a cross. That is our Jesus. And that is our example for life. So when we go to Luke 27, in verse 26, just as it was in the days of Noah, now we just read about Noah, right? We just read that eight were saved. So will it be in the days of the Son of Man. There were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Is eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage, are those just part of life? Are those just part of the things that we do? Did not all people do those things? And being given in marriage, a couple is living by the golden rule, right? They're getting married. They're not living together. They're actually making that commitment before God, before their friends. But only eight were saved at that time. Only eight during Noah's time were saved. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, there were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. So Jesus is saying the same thing. Life is going on. And we're going, oh, you know, we're shopping. We're eating out at Panera. We're, we're uh, getting our hair cut and our nails done. We're buying Christmas presents. We're wrapping things. Like, we are doing life. And we, we think we are doing good things. And we are busy being productive about our life. But in the days of Lot, too, but on the day, verse 29, but on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from earth and destroyed them all. So it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let no one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let no one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. The term salvation today means we have come to the Lord. We have confessed our sin. We say, Lord, we know we need a Savior. We know we're a sinner. We pray that the Holy Spirit fills us that we may live a life that's pleasing to you. But it is a daily choice if we're going to live that life. 
It is a daily choice to say to the Lord, not my will, but yours be done. You have the right to change my day. You have the right to interfere with my daytimer. That is what uh, living a life of salvation is because salvation doesn't start when we die. Salvation starts on earth. That's why God has given us the Holy Spirit to walk it out on earth that we may be little Christs or little Christians anointed by the Holy Spirit to live the narrow path, to walk on the narrow path, to go through the narrow gate because we pray that when the earth is destroyed, when the Son of Man comes again, we can be, quote, one of the eight, or in Lot's case, one of the three that are saved. I mean, that's not very many. You know, I mean, that's just not very many. The words in Luke 17, Jesus healed 10 leopards, and one came back, and he was a Gentile, and he turned back is the phrase, to thank God. So turning back... To come to God, to look to God, to ask for God's help is what pleases the Lord. Those things please the Lord. But to turn away from God, to turn from his commandments, to say that when I was in church, I was very convicted to do this, but that's too hard. So I'm going to do that instead. Lot's wife turned back to look at Sodom and Gomorrah. Even though her family's with her, she was probably thinking, you know, she's going to be missing her tennis tournament and her luncheon. She had an appointment to get her nails done that week. She's probably thinking of all the things she did that day to set up her week. And how can it all be destroyed? And we know that Lot's family had a lot of money. So I'm sure that they were members of society as Lot sat at the gate. And she's thinking, I'd rather have that life than head to the hills. And then the other time we turn back is when we repent. We turn back to God and repent. And, and repenting is agreeing with God. Saying to God, I agree that I am a sinner. I agree that I was wrong. As I was studying this lesson, I was looking at things like, no one can put his hand to the plow and look back or take his hand off is worthy of the kingdom of God. I was looking at so many verses that Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. You follow me. I was looking at so many verses that said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. And I've got to tell you, in Christianity today, our life is pretty comfortable. We have nice houses. We have nice cars. We have the ability to move. It might be uncomfortable, but God has provided for us in many ways. And we do get up in the morning and thank God for our life and our lifestyle. So to really live a life that's pleasing to God and not to our flesh and not to our desire to like just want to go back, look back, turn back and say, I can't do this. We need to have Jesus first in our life. We have to ask every day for a fresh filling so that our heart, mind, and soul align up with the will of God. Now, it does not mean that we can do it. We have to ask the Lord, help me. But just turning back to look to the Lord for help pleases God. That's all we have to do. We might not be able to fulfill our desires, 
because we can't do it without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But we can ask for help. So we are going to close out this teaching by just saying, Lot's wife had a desire that was not righteous. And yes, today Sodom and Gomorrah get a really bad rap because of the sodomy that's discussed in Sodom and Gomorrah. But the sins were far greater on all the people than just homosexuality. Lot's wife was not engaging that we know of in homosexuality and she got destroyed. There were people in this entire land that were doing corrupt things. There was no desire of pleasing God, turning to God, living a righteous life, finding favor with God. It was a selfish living. It was a living after the flesh. And God didn't destroy it just because of what the men did outside of Lot's house. He destroyed it because even the women had troubles. Even the men who were straight had no one was righteous. No, not one. And that's what we hear about ourselves too, which is why we need Jesus. I'm going to end with that. And so thank you for listening to the Daily Disciples podcast. My name is Tony Lee Adamson. And if you have any comments or questions, please feel free to text message me through Daily Disciples Facebook page.